Without further ado, I'd uh, like to introduce a young man who yesterday took our notions of reality and turned them inside out. Dr. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Perhaps you can explain yourself. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cinepod Movie Cast. I'm Chuck Conyers. And I am Jose Joel Zulueta. Welcome. You know, one of the things that we had talked about when we started this program, uh, one of the main purposes of the Cinepod Movie Cast is that Mr. Zulueta or myself introduce a new film to one another that we had not seen before. Also, you know, yes. taking in movies that neither of us had seen, but it was more or less to kind of film gaps in our respective uh, of film knowledge, I guess. Is that fair to say, sir? I say that's a yeah, fair assessment, yes. So how uh, both shocked and delighted I was that Mr. Zulueta <laughs> had not seen the movie that we're going to be talking about in this episode, which is a staple of my childhood, uh, one of my favorite films of all time, one of my favorite science fiction films of all time. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow, you can hear it already. He's not even holding back. Um, the Adventures... <laughs> How do you really feel? <laughs> ...of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. He's a rocker. Doctor. Don't talk on that. You never know what it might be attached to. Inventor. Philosopher. No matter where you go... There you are. And the only hero. Buckaroo. 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 Curse are you, Bonsai! Who can save us all? Evil! You are unstoppable from the eighth dimension! Venom! Launch Thermopod. Buckaroo Bonsai is pure nutty fun. Buckaroo, you forgot your thruster. What are you all on to for what? The cult sci-fi classic. Run, run! In a dimension all its own. Real life Martians landing in New Jersey. Corito, we will fire a portable beam weapon. Vaporize the whole damn planet. If we blow this today, get him up. There ain't no tomorrow. Left, I said left. This is left. I mean my left. All left go your right. Buckaroo, the president's calling about is everything okay with the alien space club and planet ten, or should we just go ahead and destroy Russia? Tell him yes on one and no on two. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Which was yes, destroy Russia or uh, number two? I'm always kind of surprised when uh, Mr. Zulueta tells me he hasn't seen a certain film. But then when mm. you look, take a look at the films that Mr. Zulueta has seen, you know, he, um, he, um, he takes Film Geek to a whole new level. Because I, I really do believe that if it does not have subtitles, Mr. Zulueta is not interested. <laughs> Um, if it's not some nice. German expressionist black and white um, thing that only shows at MoMA, you know, Mr. Zulueta <laughs> is not interested. So, wow. uh, so something like this, of course, he hasn't seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, but that's okay. I, I, that is to I, be I... respected, sir, because that you know you have a very learned. Of film background, and I have a background filled with nothing but junk food. Oh, I'm sorry, man, but you just made me sound like a pretentious douche right there. 
<laughs> but you're not though that's the thing that that's 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 the, that's the dichotomy of it all you know you still though I, I i'd have to say with this this movie that we're going to talk about it, it's something that should have been in my radar because it has all the ingredients that i look for in a movie Let's get to it now. Like I uh-huh. just said, I love this movie. I can talk about it for decades, but uh, that's not what we're here for. We're here to hear what Mr. Zuleta thought okay. <laughs> of, of well, Buckaroo I... Banzai. I can't wait. This is you have to understand, folks. This is very exciting for me. <laughs> this is almost a super fuzz level excitement. Probably a little more than that. Oh. You know, it's so funny that you mentioned Super Fuzz because all throughout the movie, that was all I was thinking about. <laughs> this is so much like Super Fuzz. It's just, I think it just has like a, a slightly better budget and better actors. But it, as a whole, it's like in terms of how it feels, it's a, it's a lot like Super Fuzz because it's very 80s. And the story's kind of clunky at times. I'm sorry. Sorry if I hurt your feelings about this. (laughs) The story could get a little clunky sometimes, but deep down, the the film has its heart in the right place, (laughs) I think. Which is why it's just so hard to dislike a movie like this. Uh, Like uh, Super Fuzz, it's throws everything it throws everything at you except for the kitchen sink you know i mean even the title the adventures of buckery bonsai across the eighth dimension yes <laughs> gee i wonder why it didn't make a lot of money in the box office <laughs> i mean it's it's first of all hats off to the uh, producers who made this movie <laughs> because it is such a big gamble <laughs> um, I, I was reading like a, a little background story on this on the movie, and uh, this was the same studio that made Mr. Mom and War um, Games. Yeah, two yeah, a couple of classic '80s movies. There you and, go. Uh, and they took a gamble on this one, and unfortunately, it kind of sank that particular studio <laughs> because uh, I guess. Well, why do you think it didn't do so well in the box office? Well, because I think it um, it assumes a lot from the audience. It really does give the audience a lot of credit for mm. just jumping on board. Because that's the thing about this movie is that there is no, in a conventional sense... There's no origin story. There's no... I mean, you get uh, in the alternate version, you do get in the first uh, few minutes of the movie, you do get a slight origin story. At the age of five and already a highly unusual person, Buckaroo Banzai makes a movie of his own tiny feet. (laughs) Location is the American Southwest in the year 1954. Young Buckaroo finds himself in the company of an eccentric group of particle physicists headed by maverick professor Toichi Akita, seen here taking the camera from the precocious child and scooting him over to his parents. Uh, Dr. Masada Banzai, preeminent Japanese quantum theorist, and Dr. Sandra Banzai, Texas-born pioneer in negative mass propulsion. His mother is played by Jamie Lee Curtis. It begins like, you know, 
Buckaroo's origin story is like any other superhero's origin story. His parents are killed by someone who is going to turn out to be his greatest nemesis, Hanoi Jan, who you don't see in this movie, but mm-hmm. who looms large in the Buckaroo Bonsai. I mean, Hanoi Shan is to Buckaroo Bonsai as the Joker is to Batman. That is his arch nemesis. He's the uh, guy responsible for killing his parents. But again, don't even deal with that in this movie at all. <laughs> because there's already a lot to deal with. Yes, and in fact, uh, uh, spoilers, <laughs> uh, because we are going to be all over the place. We're always all over the place with these movies. So, uh, But at the very end of the movie, you get a title card for something called... Um, Buckaroo Bonsai against the World Crime League, right? Um, and you do know, you do end up figure or finding out, you know, if you're especially if you're a nerd about this stuff, that Hanoi Shan is the head of the World Crime League. And in fact, this is something uh-huh. I haven't even read this yet, but uh-huh. Ernest Klein, the guy who wrote the novel, the um, Ready Player One novel, mm-hmm. he wrote a draft of the Buckaroo Bonsai sequel. Oh, get out of here. Yes. Oh, and sweet. it's basically the direct sequel to this movie. So, uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to read that before recording this, but, you know, maybe we can, yeah. uh, we'll revisit it later if uh, you and I have time, as we barely yeah. have enough time to, uh, <laughs> to do this show, much less uh, read the script. But that's the thing about uh, Buckaroo Banzai about this movie is that it just you're basically just kind of plopped down in the middle of things as these yes. as these people are having an adventure there's no explanation mm-hmm. about what's going on you are yeah. taking in this movie as it comes so if you are sitting there watching this with somebody who's like what's going on <laughs> you don't know either it's it's all happening right in front of you and you have to take it as a lot to process, and you're going to watch this movie a thousand times, as uh, most people who grew up with this movie did. It's there is a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, how did you come across this? Did you uh, watch it in the theaters, or did you see this on cable? Oh, uh, I saw this on VHS. Uh, the, uh, I rented it at the video store. I remember the commercials on TV. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension Rated PG Check newspapers for selected theaters And I think they had the The uh, the famous uh, End credit march Was also in the trailer Yeah, that was uh, Yeah, that, that was pretty cute I have to say <laughs> and, and they also kind of lent it a An almost anime type of feel Yeah I'm telling you, if, uh, if the makers of uh, Cowboy Bebop were to do a Buckaroo Banzai TV show, that would be so amazing. You said that a movie referenced the march? I'm trying to think of what movie referenced it. Yeah, and I will give you a hint. It is a okay. movie that has uh, one of the same actors from Buckaroo Banzai is in this other movie. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I can't say it's a RoboCop movie. No, that would be that would be too funny. 
It's um, kind of, and I'll say this: it's kind of like you didn't. It's not really expected. And when it happened in the in this new movie, when it happened, I was like, "Oh wow, why are they doing this?" Ah. <laughs> but, but I was just like, "All right, that's cool. I guess fair enough." Sounds like a great in joke. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did it have Peter Weller in it? Nope. No. Okay, maybe it's John Lithgow. Nope. Um, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Gotta be Jeff Goldblum because yep. he's everywhere these days. Yeah. Still. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. Um, it's gotta be a recent one. If it, it can't be Thor Ragnarok, could it? No. Okay. No, not that uh, recent. You got me. You got me. Which one? The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. And they play. I haven't seen it. Queen Bitch by David, <laughs> David Bowie. David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's a cute reference. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Goldblum made the most out of that small role. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, his um, Doctor Sydney. He's uh, his um, his cat Hong Kong Cavalier name was New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> And he has one of my favorite uh, line deliveries in any movies. When he first shows up at the, um, where are they? They're in New Brunswick, I think, where they okay. go to pick up Penny from the uh, from the police station. And Doctor Sidney's there with it. He's wearing a cowboy hat. He's got his saddlebags. He's got chaps <laughs> and all, like totally dressed up as a cowboy. And Perfect Tommy and Reno are sizing him up, and he keeps calling them uh, Paco. And it's another character. Pecos is another character in this movie who, who's mentioned, but you never see him because he's in Tibet. Uh, that's all you hear about. He's all Pecos is in Tibet. Uh, and so they're sizing him up, and then Reno asks him at one point, asks uh, Dr. Sidney, he's like, Where are your spurs at? Once you make it funny. It is such like this casual throwaway <laughs> line. This is so the way Jeff Goldblum says it is so funny. So now, just as the movie itself, we're talking about things that just matter of factly. So if you've never seen Buckaroo Banzai, you have no idea what we're talking about. We're pulling stuff. I'm also pulling stuff out of context too. So let's just start at the at the bottom line of stuff. First of all, did you know that? This movie was made for seventeen million dollars. Seventeen million dollars. That's right. Um, well, that's uh, well at the time. I guess that would be uh, what you call mid-budget, really. I mean, because it's got science fiction elements in there, but yeah, but it's also a comedy. Yeah. Seventeen million dollars. Yeah. That's not bad. You know how much I it mean, made domestic. Oh God. <laughs> I'm almost scared to ask. Maybe like $2 million or something? No, it did better than that. Okay. How much did it make? It made six. Six. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Wasn't a total loss. Yeah, no. I'm sure it eventually made its money back in home video. Yeah. It, it pretty but... much became a cult classic on home video. Because, I mean, a movie like this, again, it assumes a lot. And you would even think that... In, in a world of what's going on today with Marvel movies and stuff like that, uh, could someone make this movie and could it perform well today? Mm. I think yes, 
Especially if it's like a Netflix movie or something like that, because that gives the audience uh, an opportunity to watch and rewatch and rewatch and rewind and what the hell happened there and what did he say and and you can look at you can look at subtitles you can see I mean you know over the years you know you you start hearing lines and you and you realize you might be hearing it wrong and then. In an, in the new age of DVDs, when you can, when there's subtitle options and you can actually see what they're saying, it really opens up a whole new world as far as what certain things mean and what they're talking about and things like that. You know, when you can yeah. see what they're saying and when you go to the original source material to the script, it, because mm-hmm. this that's how dense this movie is. I mean, even getting down to getting into the the black electroids versus the red electroids and um they're in a planetary battle on um planet 10 and both trying to well both of them aren't trying to steal the oscillation overthruster but uh but the red electroids are definitely trying to steal it so they can uh rescue their brethren from the eighth dimension which is where john um Lorfin or Warfin comes from He's a, the head of the, uh, he's the John Lithgow character. Oh gosh. Oh, by the way, and <laughs> I, I have to, I have to say something here. Yes. The, the uh, in the flashback scene that takes place in the year 1938, right? Yes, yeah. you're right. John Lithgow does not look like he's like in his 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is an alien or he's possessed by an alien. So. Oh, come on. But also the, uh, like uh the mentor to uh Buckaroo Banzai, Professor Hikita. Yes. He's supposed to be he's supposed to be about the same age as the John Lithgow character. Yes, but he's not so possessed they... by an alien though. Or he's not possessed by a whatever they yeah, I guess you can call them aliens. Yeah, but you know, it's just like they got the ages wrong. You know, they should have been a lot older than than what they were. But um, okay, minor quibble. <laughs> but I, I think they tried to force things so they could coincide with the uh, with the Orson Welles telecast. Okay. The uh, the, the, uh, the War, War of the Worlds, World. which I thought was pretty neat. Yes. By the way, <laughs> basically this whole story takes place in and around New Jersey, uh, uh, parts of New Jersey. Yeah, that's right. That's right. John Lithgow is supposed to be in an institution in Trenton for yes. the criminally insane. <laughs> I guess that's their Arkham Asylum. Yes, the Trenton home for the criminally insane, yeah. <laughs> and I love how they had a uh, the buck they had Buckaroo Banzai video game in the home for the criminally insane. As Doc- oh, yes. Dr. Lozardo destroys it before he leaves. It's a, I think it's a pretty well thought out world because they even had comic books on Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, and uh, and that's the thing. He's like everybody knows who he is. Uh, he he yeah. is a well known figure in this universe. When he steals the, uh, you could tell they got money from Harley Davidson because there are a couple of uh, moments where there's Harley Davidson is plastered on the screen at some point. <laughs> uh, but where he steals the motorcycle. Oh, um, that's yeah. that's a Harley Davidson bike coming out of a Harley Davidson um, semi truck, but you know he's pulling off, and the guy in the suit's like, "Hey, wait a minute, you can't ride that!" As, as he's driving away, you hear, "Hey, that's Buckaroo Banzai!" 
Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it'll be okay, because Buckaroo Banzai stole it. He's the ultimate polymath. Yes. Because he's a surgeon, uh, a rock star, <laughs> a test pilot. Yep. What else am I missing? He's a physicist as well. Oh, yeah, physicist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is all of these things. I just wish the script's a little more clever. If they had someone like the uh, the Cone Brothers writing this, <laughs> oh my god, it would have been, it would have killed. So you're thinking like snappier dialogue would have been a greater service? I think so. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, but I thought the actors did their best with what they had. Yeah, I mean, they got Ellen Barkin. Uh, as Penny Pretty. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, John Lithgow, as we said before, Peter Weller, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, Christopher Lloyd is uh, John Big Booty. Yes, no, <laughs> Big Booty! <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they all cracked each other up between takes. And there were a lot of, like, Vincent Schiavelli, uh, Vincent Schiavelli is in it. He plays one of the uh-huh. Johns, John O'Connor. All throughout the 80s, you saw Vincent Schiavelli in everything, you know? Uh, also, uh, Matt Clark is in it. He plays the Secretary of Defense. Jeez. What the hell is going on here, Big Boot? Where's my bomber? Big Boot, hey. John O'Connor, put the slot on the track. Hey, I don't give a flying handshake what your name is. I'm here to see a bomber. This sure ain't good. Let's just go back upstairs to my office. Talk about this like two reasonable beings. Hey, you listen to me. Your private life, that's your own concern, but I'm here to see a bomber, and I'm damn sure gonna see it now. Look at this place. Don't you have any pride? It looks like a damn pigsty. It's not my goddamn planet. Understand, monkey boy? He doubts that anything that Buckaroo Banzai is doing is real. He doesn't understand any of it. But when he sees the jet car go through the the mountain, he kind of became a believer, but he's still pretty much a skeptic. But he's a bureaucratic nemesis. He's a a bureaucratic nemesis. Uh You can see this is a very deep and involved story, sir. So yeah. now, so now, from what you could make of the story, what were your major problems with the story itself? Maybe it's the uh, the way the story was told, but I I can see why they uh, why they took out that scene with the uh, with Buckaroo's origin story because yeah. the movie was confusing enough as <laughs> it was, and so much easier to. Uh, to get everything in the beginning with just a uh, with just a title card explaining everything, it was just too much, I think. As we we talked briefly about like if if it would do well today, I'm not so sure about that. It's I think it's still a little too quirky. If they had just uh, if they just somehow simplified the story a little bit. Well, that would destroy a lot of its charm, though, wouldn't it? Well, that's the thing. I think that if yeah. it were strung out as a series... Well, you know, this was in development, I think, a year ago mm. to be produced as a series, Buckaroo Bonsai. Um, Kevin Smith was attached to... Oh, wow. um, basically, he what he had described was he was going to do season one as... A re, 
a reimagining of the first film of this film and uh, season two would be the world crime league story oh shoot that's interesting but the uh the original i think the director and the writer uh are now involved and are the whole thing is locked in litigation right now some kind of rights um, lawsuit or something going on with it right now so huh. uh, it's it's future is in limbo I guess it's rich and dense enough that I think it could make for a good eight eight, eight episode season of a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, give it a good eight hours to flesh itself out, and 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 tell I think a a, a full story. It could have been like uh, the James Bond franchise, because yeah, he's got supporting players, he's got their own versions of science, he's got villains already. The World Crime League, yep. The World Crime League, yes, that's his specter. That's exactly right, and. Uh, the oh. the Hong Kong Cavaliers are almost what you know, MI6 is that what Bond works for but I would even say yeah. that they're more like the Justice League or the X-Men without the superpowers <laughs> you know they're all they all contribute to the group I think Perfect Tommy I think he's got something to do he's like an engineer or something like that he has something to do with building the jet car procedure over just be cool Sure. hope kind of funny because he didn't seem to demonstrate a whole lot of brains in the movie like what does he play bass or or um or rhythm guitar oh gosh i i forget but they all sounded good Hello. Howdy. Hi there. How you doing? Hey everybody, this is Chuck Kinders from the Cinepop Movie Cast. Now if you like alternate realities and alternate universes and parallel universes and time travel and things like that, then I've got a story for you. It's a series called the World Time Diaspora Trilogy. For those of you who've listened to the show before, you've heard me talk about my book, The Maximilian Emancipation. Now I'm happy to announce that the sequel is here. The sequel is done and the sequel is available right now on Amazon.com. It is called World Time. This is all part of my series, my three-part series called the World Time Diaspora Trilogy, which starts with the Maximilian Emancipation, and that follows the story of what happens when three African slave ships that travel from the 18th century all the way to the 21st century and appear off the coast of New York and New Jersey in the year 2041. A fellow named Maximilian Oroko is brought in as an African language specialist and discovers that he has a connection to this event more so than he could have ever possibly imagined. Now in the book World Time, we follow the great, 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 great grandson of Maximilian Oroko named Davis Oroko. Davis Oroko is a man who in the 27th century has discovered time travel and attempts to use it to alter history. But as you know, when you mess around with changing events in time, it almost always leads to bad consequences. Not only are both of these books available right now in digital and paperback, 
There is also a free short story available called The Myth and the Terror, which is a direct tie-in to both stories in a way. It's involving a character from both stories, but it's more of a tie-in to world time. You can still get something out of it if you've never read the books. So you get a free short story. All you have to do is visit my website. If you enter stopslaverywithtimetravel.com, you'll get all the information that you need. You'll find the short story. You'll find links to my books, The Maximilian Emancipation, and World Time. My blog is there. This podcast is there. So everything you could possibly want from this little universe, our little multiverse, you'll find right there. So that's stopslaverywithtimetravel.com. You can also find me on Twitter at ThisIsChakon. That's this is C-H-A-C-O-N. You can also find me on Instagram at C Conyers Jr. That's C-C-O-N-Y-E-R-S-J-R. And last but not least, this podcast also has an Instagram account. So you can go to Cinepod Moviecast. That's C-I-N-E-P-O-D-M-O-V-I-E-C-A-S-T on Instagram. And you'll find us there too. All that great entertainment available for you. So check it out. Now back to the show. some leeway into the 90s perhaps but um, nothing says 80s more like music and clothes yeah that's where it's at holy shit music scenes in movies like like that don't really have a good history musical interludes in movies where you're just like okay you just this movie has now ground to a complete and total halt (laughs) Okay, okay did we need a 20 minute dance sequence in the matrix uh, the second matrix movie i don't think we did <laughs> i don't think we did uh did we need to see toby mcguire dancing out of a store uh, in spider-man oh 3 gosh. did we need to see that uh, absolutely not they, there you go <laughs> um now the only reason why I'm not going to bust on Buckaroo Bonsai that much is because this is part of who he is. This is his character. Yeah. He is, among many, many, many other things, a rock star. 
I think that works, and it also introduces us to Penny Pretty, who is who just the... happens to be the uh, the twin sister of <laughs> of his dead wife. Yeah, <laughs> come on, the writer must have been cracking up as he was typing all this, right? But there's a scene they explain it in the jail. Of course, if it was a snake, it'd have bit me. Another you. Anything's possible. Let her out. Yeah, let her out. I'll be responsible. Well, she's a killer. No, she's not. And give her your coat. Why me? Because you're perfect. You have a point there. And then there's a scene where she locks herself in the bathroom. Near as I can figure, you had an identical twin sister, and I married her. But that's over now. And she's gone. And that's about all there is really to say about that. Very uh, Forrest <laughs> Gumpian. Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I love Peter Weller's line delivery in this movie. So it's no, no matter, matter where you go, go there, there you are. Yeah. Now, is that true? That that line came from this movie. Yes. That I thought that line existed for a lot longer than this movie but apparently that's that's where this line came from no matter where you go or there you are it was also written on the uh, dedication plaque on the USS Excelsior yes that's <laughs> I guess director Nicholas Meyer is a big fan of uh, Buckaroo Bonsai too well because sir he has good taste there should have been more stories from this it's just a shame that well, you know, there aren't any more adventures. It's mm. funny, the more you look into the history of this movie, the, the original writer, the screenwriter, wrote yeah. this movie in, uh, who was his name, Earl Mac uh, Roush, I think is his name. Um, yeah, that he sounds right. started writing this story in the 70s. Oh, wow. And um, wrote this entire universe with all these characters and this screenplay, um, this Across the Eighth Dimension story, was just one of many stories that he had uh, about Buckaroo Bonsai and what he did with the Oscillation Overthruster and like the, the different things that uh, it was capable of doing. Because just going through the mountain is not all that it can do. And that's one of the reasons why Dr. Lazardo is so interested in finding it. And why the black electroids are trying to keep the red electroids from getting it because apparently Warfin is, is as evil as Hitler. And for him to have possession of the overthruster would mean, uh, would, be, would be catastrophic. So that's what makes it uh, so important. I like the idea that they are all fugitives from the uh, eighth dimension and stuff like that, but it's the oscillation overthruster that opens up the gateway and does, so it's, it's this it's this object that has all this great potential like almost in marvel like the tesseract in a way it's it's this yeah. thing with with all these powers that are really yet to be discovered i think that's a fascinating story yeah it is <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot to chew on yeah absolutely but you know and... what you kind of want that from look I, I, there are movies I see these days 
where I walk out of the theater and there's nothing much more to what you saw other than what you saw. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you, you go, it's like a, an, an amusement park ride. You, you get on the thing, you go around, uh-huh. you do it, and, and then you're uh-huh. done and you walk away and you're kind of like, oh, that was fun. And then that's it, yeah. you know, with your life. There are movies like Buckaroo Banzai that, again, that's, that hold up to repeat viewings. You can watch this. I mean, I'm still, I could sit down and watch this movie right now, watch it from beginning to end, and probably find, like, hear a line or something that I forgot or didn't know was there or hadn't had misheard for years. It's a, And, uh-huh. you know, I like a movie like that. I like a rich, dense experience with a movie. Uh, okay, well, when was the last time you saw this? And what was the last new thing that you saw in it? The last time I saw it was uh, maybe, uh, maybe 30 or 40 minutes before this interview. I mean, before this... Holy uh, cow. <laughs> before this conversation. You and, are a fan. Um, what did I notice in it this time that I hadn't before? when Penny confronts uh, Buckaroo about uh, finding the, the picture of, of, of his ex-wife that looks just like her. Uh, and uh, just the line, she says something like, I know it's like a typical female thing, but yes, I went through your stuff. Like, I hadn't <laughs> heard that part of the the dialogue before. like Because it just starts out where you're just hearing her screaming from the other room. And it just sounds like a woman screaming. And you don't really hear it. But then for today, for some reason, I heard it. Okay, okay, I'm a girl. I sneaked into your bedroom. I invaded your privacy. I went through all your personal belongings. This is Johnson. I can never find anything around. I took a bath. And oh, wow. uh, I was like, oh, there you go. <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't quite appreciate it as, uh, as deeply as you do. I... I thought it was a fun movie. It's very quirky. Um, I like the music. I like the look of it. Um, it was fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think I got as much out of it as I did with Super Fuzz, or maybe just a little bit more, because you kind of you kind of get along with the spirit of it. You know, you, you just get caught up with the. the with the with the whole you know, it, it's fun it's a fun movie so this sounds like a one and done for you uh well if, if it's if i happen to be flipping the channels and this thing comes on yes uh, definitely i will watch it so so that's a slim to none so mr Zulueta. <laughs> on a scale of one to ten what do you give Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't want to hurt your feelings again. You don't um, hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a six point five or uh, seven. Uh, All right, I'll, I'll give it a seven. Yeah, you don't have to. You can you can say yeah. six point five is totally fine. You're yeah. not gonna hurt my feelings. I didn't make it. <laughs> Fair enough. And, um, and I, yeah, and, you were broadcasting that uh, that score from the beginning of this episode, so this is yeah. not a surprise <laughs> to me. Read me like an open book. <laughs> and 
and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do something here. I'm gonna predict what you're gonna give this. Ah, that's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I think you're gonna give this an eight or an eight point five. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, definitely right. give it an eight for sure. Okay. Um, you know, um, only because. I, you know, it's going to get to a point where I've seen this movie enough and I I want more of it. I want to see more of these characters and stuff. But now I now that I know that this script exists, the uh the sequel um mm-hmm. by an author whose book I enjoyed very much, The Ready Player 1, mm-hmm. uh I will definitely uh read the sequel script and um uh, see what that's all about. Yeah, I have a, a a place in my heart for lo-fi '80s science fiction. You know, things mm-hmm. and, and not even just in the '80s, but just lo-fi. You know, things that don't. You know, science fiction stories that are told on a small budget that uh, don't don't need uh, a ton of visual effects and stuff like that. Uh, right. Like this movie reminds me of movies like The History of Future Folk or um under the skin or even when you're in the 80s like brother from another planet the hidden the, uh, these are basically small movies with really really big ideas mm-hmm. and there, that's uh that's a lot to be appreciated in this movie and this movie is like this movie is grand grand ideas and damn it if it's not going to express as many of them as possible <laughs> And I think that's great. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, you you really have to admire the spirit of this movie and the gumption of everybody who wanted to make it happen. Even in spite of, a, you know, there's a, a moment in this movie where um, John Parker and Buckaroo Banzai are snooping around. I think they're in Yo-Yo Dine propulsion systems. And they walk past this building or something. They walk past the structure or something. There's a watermelon in the middle of it. Buckaroo says, is that a watermelon? Like, what's that watermelon doing there? And John Parker says, I'll explain later. But he never explains it. So what you find out later on is that uh, during the production of this movie, they were having such a hard time. The studio was giving them such a hard time. They hated the dailies. Uh, they were not happy with the performances. They were sending notes and notes and notes, and it just got to a point where the filmmakers were getting really annoyed with all the notes. So to be dicks, someone went down to the grocery store, got a watermelon, put it on the set, and then did a whole thing where they mentioned the watermelon, and then that was it. And then... (laughs) They sent it all day. And they, you know, they were waiting to hear back they were waiting to hear, you know, catch shit for the watermelon shot. No one said shit. So they were like, all right, we're putting it in the movie. So they put it in the movie. <laughs> That's crazy. Why is there a watermelon there? I'll tell you later. So it's, uh, there is, there was an official explanation for it around the time the movie oh. came out. And I don't remember what it was. Oh shoot! But um, something about the um, it's a very Douglas Adams Monty Python esque explanation for why for the how watermelons are used by um, uh, the electroids uh, as as a piece of machinery. It's it's it's, ah. it's ridiculous. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, 
<laughs> we end yet another episode of the Cinepod movie cast where uh, Mr. Zulueta has completely uh, been disappointed in a recommendation that I made, but that's okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> seven. That's pretty good, I must say. Uh, that's really good. All right, that's so it, kids. Thank you for listening to the Cinepod movie cast. I'm Chuck Conyers. I am Jose Charles Zulueta. And no matter where you go, there you are. There you are. I don't have anything.